Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm horror host Trav. Joining me as always is the theme queen herself, producer Kate. Not as always these days, but I am here. Yeah, sickly, (laughs) sickly producer Kate. And uh, making her return to the show, my lovely wife, bride of the creature, Rosie Hagen. Well, hey. Or Rosie Hagen Ybarra, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So this is uh, back to traditional HMF, and it feels great. Tonight we're going to be talking about Suspiria from 2018. But first, I want to talk about a recent horror movie that came out in theaters. Now, Rose and I have seen it. You have not seen X, right? No. So do you want to give like a non-spoiler review to Ty West's new film, X? Because I want to... I want to talk about this film a little bit, just non-spoiler, like two to three minutes a piece, if if even that, because I want people to go out and support like uh, support horror movies in theaters. Like we always complain about, you know, they're not being original horror movies and stuff in theaters, and then we don't go out and support them. But Rosie, do you want to start, or you want me to start? You can go ahead and start. Yeah. So. Like I said, X is Ty West's new film, and he's you may know him from like House of the Devil, Innkeepers, The Sacrament. He's one of my absolute favorites uh, of the genre, and he had been away doing TV for a while. Um, but X was like a lost uh, 70s movie. Um, the uh, Mia Goth, actually, which is who's in tonight's film, Suspiria, is actually in that movie as well. And uh, Kid Cudi. I, there was a point in the movie where Heath and I looked at each other like, is that fucking Kid Cudi? Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, But it was like a lost 70s movie to me. Like, like it, it was almost like when, when they were moving canisters of Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive and Texas Chainsaw. Um, they dropped it behind the shelf or something. If I was to describe it, it was kind of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets Boogie Nights. Um, and there's news of a prequel already in the can and a sequel. So Rose, what did you think about X with no spoilers at all? Just, I had a lot of fun. I thought it was different and like, ultimately I thought that it was kind of surprising. Mm -hmm. And so without getting too much into it, like I liked a lot of the themes, Mm -hmm. um, definitely like aging is one of those themes. Mm -hmm. I think that it turns some, um, I guess it turns some of those themes sort of on their head. And so, yeah, yeah it, there was a lot of references to like, um, some obscure slasher movies of the seventies and eighties, but yeah, like Rose said, it's like, it's kind of, um, you weren't really sure where the story was going to take us, which is like the best thing for me in a horror movie. But yeah, just to hit on that real quick, like I said, if we want um, these horror movies to be successful and these uh, low-budget horror movies to be successful, go out and support them in theaters. Okay, so 
recent news uh that I, I believe we haven't been in person in studio since these trailers have dropped um i've just seen one of them uh, when we went seeing x in theaters but um Jordan Peele's Nope, which is due July 22nd, and Men by Alex Garland, uh, due uh, May 20th. So, Rose, would you, uh, Rose and Kate, let's, uh, whoever wants to go first, do you want to single one of them out, or uh, what did you think about these trailers? I am really excited for Men. Uh huh. Um, it just, just the trailer alone, it was, I think, a lot of women, most women who probably watched that trailer were like, yeah, we get it. We totally get yeah. it. Like we already are in because a lot of us have lived that feeling that they're trying to convey in the trailer. Um, I would say most of us have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I'm totally in for that. Um, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I don't want to get too much into like the themes of that because obviously I can't speak to the whole movie yet, but mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that one. I think Nope looks interesting, but I think they're leaving a lot out of the trailer on purpose and so that does intrigue me which most horror trailers i feel like show you everything and they did show they showed a lot but i still feel like they're holding back on on uh, some things like Mm -hmm. some major things so i am excited for that to go and see what is missing from the trailer because i think that they are holding something back but yeah and two creators that you kind of have to uh support everything that they do because they're just like visionaries like with jordan peele and alex garland alex garland wrote 28 days later he made annihilation um uh, ex mahina uh the, just a bunch of like he's just a visionary man but uh kate what did you think about these uh recent horror trailers i'll do the same order i'll start with men like rose did so I echo everything she said. As a woman, I, w- I watched that and I was like, all right, I know exactly like <laughs> the feeling and the kind of theme that they're putting out they're putting out in this. What's interesting is I watched a couple um, men, like mm-hmm. guys, kind of like you that do movie, you know, they, they're really uh-huh. into movies and cinema and they like create content around that. And I watched their reactions to the mm-hmm. trailer of men um, and they get like, very surface level when they they're like oh so it's gonna be about how men are scary at like the up and they like approach women and scare women at the gas station that kind of vibe and mm-hmm. i was like that's as far as they seem to like have picked up on yeah. a lot of the things in the trailer and like they're seeing things that look like alien-esque or supernatural and like that's what they focus on but you can tell like for a lot of men it's either gonna go over their heads mm-hmm or they're going to learn something, which I like. Yeah. Uh, the, the learn something part I like, not the going over their heads. But um, and then nope. I don't want to like put predictions out there because I hope they're not spoilery. Um, there's like I'm like everyone. I don't know what the fuck's going to go on in that movie. Like I know there's <laughs> aliens. That's what I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's a rumor that nope stands for uh, not of planet Earth. Yeah. And I mean, you've got the cloud UFO in the sky with the know the little flags hanging down mm-hmm. and you've got people being you know ripped up into the sky yeah. like it's definitely going to be aliens but the, the i'm cu- very curious what the like the role of the horses is going to play i feel mm-hmm. like there's going to be some body horror in this one mm-hmm. um i'm curious if maybe, it's going to have much humor in it or like i'm curious about what direction they go in yeah or. because with us uh 
there were certain people and not just like, uh, you know, haters on Jordan Peele or whatever, but I, I saw like a, a few people that were like, like, like Brooks was one of them was just like, there's way too much humor in this. Like, you know, as far as like some of the scares and stuff, like I, I, I absolutely loved us, but yeah, there, it, it hit some people the wrong way. You yeah. know, I definitely don't think it's a lot of people's opinion about Jordan Peele's like, he's already like, too you know mainstream or he's too like over he's overhyped and i'm like i don't agree like i'm very very curious about this film Mm -hmm. and i'm really looking forward to it i think there's going to be some weird i mean they they talk about in the trailer like bad miracles Mm -hmm. so i feel like these aliens are going to like come and like do miracles but there's going to be some cost fuck yeah dude. yeah um i'm really excited about it men was like absolutely anxiety inducing to me like especially <laughs> that last scene when the guy's like walking in the tunnel and then he's like running yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. imagine dude. imagine really feeling that in real life yeah. <laughs> imagine being like walking in the park yeah like women right. try to do or you hear <laughs> footsteps behind you and your heart starts racing imagine your husband like putting a pantyhose over his head and scaring you in the shower I don't like need I to imagine. <laughs> oh, sure. Long story short, men are terrifying. <laughs> we are. We are. So uh, one last little news bit um, here for all the haters. This is the Rob Zombie minute. Um, <laughs> Rob Zombie's Monsters is rated PG. So uh, all hmm, the... Maybe that's for the best. Oh, it's absolutely for the best. There's no, uh, I'm going to fuck the shit out of you in this right. movie or anything like that. So uh, yeah, just a little tiny note. Uh and that's going to get people to tune out like immediately right there. Um, that That's for Andrew Balt. That was sponsored by <laughs> Andrew Balt. Okay, so ladies, tonight's movie is Suspiria 2018. We reconvene after we covered the uh, the original 70s classic. Uh, this, was, this came out in 2018. Um, I'm going to butcher like a lot of these names, by the way. Uh, directed by Luca uh, Guadindino. Guadagnino, sorry if I uh, pronounced that wrong. Guadagnino. Guadagnino, yeah. Written by David Kajginik. Kajginik? <laughs> <laughs> uh, David actually wrote uh, 2007's The Invasion, which I actually thought was uh, underrated. 2009's Blood Creek, and um, wrote this, uh, 2018's Suspiria. And uh, he adapted The Terror, which is uh, um, Dan Simmons's novel on... Uh, being stuck out in the snow and shit like that. A very long novel. Um, at two hours and 32 minutes, this remake or reimagining, retooling, however you want to put it, is uh, nearly an hour longer than the original. Synopsis, a darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a, grie- and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare. Others will finally wake up. Do you guys believe in witches, or do you guys believe that witches were ever real? Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Hey, witches are real now. What? <laughs> that surprised the fuck out of me, dude. What? Explain, what? though. <laughs> like, you guys think that witches are real? Yeah. Yeah, there are women who practice, like, what they would call Oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, the... Uh, like the, oh, the bad like kind witches, of witches that can you yeah, know um, suck the life out of other people and live forever and yeah inhabit bodies um, like the folklore type type of witches. I mean, yeah, I think that they get that. I think witches get that bad rap. But if you like, when we went to Salem to visit and we went through mm-hmm. their 
um, sort of history museum about witches. Like a lot of witches were like nurses and the caregivers of their town and like herbalists and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they just like demonized them Mm -hmm. because they were women who knew how to do stuff. Like (laughs) (laughs) essentially it's like, how can a woman have any intelligence or contribute to this world other than providing children and a home? You help people, you have no penis. What? (laughs) Witch, burn her. They even like threw dogs in water. Like, cause they said that some of them were witches and shit. I was like, holy shit. Listen, there's no limit. There's no limit to the toxicity of man. But anyway, Um, yeah, you, you can't talk about a witch movie and not have us make some remarks like that. Yeah. So just, you know, uh, <laughs> gird your loins, gird your loins, we, man. I just want to say, like, before we even get started, like, we need more witch movies. Like, I love witch movies. <laughs> you two too. love a good witch movie. Um, I do, too. So this is starring uh, a a who's who uh, female. Is that the correct term? Female? Wim- Women cast. Women-led cast. <laughs> Women strong cast, I'll say, before I get canceled. Uh, Dakota Johnson as Susie, Tilda Swinton as Madame Blanc, and uh, Mother Marcos, and as Dr. Joseph Klimperer. Klimperer. Uh, <laughs> Mia Goth as Sarah. Uh, Angela Winkler as Miss Tanner. Did you know that that was uh, Tilda Swinton, by the way, the doctor? Uh, I knew it was someone in prosthetic makeup. Okay. I didn't know it was her. Okay. Good honor, I guess. Um, yeah, I totally spaced it like halfway through. This is my second time seeing this, like right before this show. And I totally spaced it until like halfway through. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know that's Tilda Swinton, right? Um, Wait, so she was Mother Marco, too? Yeah. Yeah, so she was Mother Marco's Damn. Madame Blanc and um, uh, Joseph uh, the Doctor. Uh, Angela Winkler as Miss Tanner. Ingrid uh, Caven as Miss Vindigast. Alina Fokina as Olga, uh, Moglasina Bella as Mrs. Bannon, and Jessica Harper as Ankh. Anki. Is that how you say it? Anki? Mm-hmm. I told you I was going to fucking br- brutalize some of these names. And uh, Chloe Grace Mortise. I Moritz. think it's Moritz <laughs> as Patricia. Um, so this starts the fast facts after I brutalized all those names. Um, the director infused his film with the mythology of the three mothers, which Argento introduced in Suspiria, Inferno, and the Mother of Tears. The three mothers, of course, as we were introduced in Suspiria, are powerful witches uh, who once roamed the earth, gaining power, wealth, uh, leaving destruction and death in their wake. There is the Mother of Sighs, the Mother of Darkness, and the Mother of Tears, a.k.a. Mater Suspiriorum. Am I saying that right? There you go. Uh, matter. <laughs> you guys like Mutter. Mutter. Um, do you want to read these, uh, Katie? No. That'll, that'll be kind of cool. <laughs> what? Yeah, read the three uh, witches. Oh, uh, um, it's just the German word for mother that okay. you're looking at. So it's Mother Suspiriorum, Mother uh-huh. Tenebraru, mm-hmm. and Mother Lacrimarum. Yeah, Maybe she's a witch. Dude. It's hard. <laughs> she's a witch. witch. She's a witch. Uh, Jessica Harper, who played Susie in the original Suspiria, appears late in the film as the Doctor's wife, Anki, or Ank. I, I think it's Anka. Anka. Um, <laughs> so before Amazon Studios, this was an Amazon film, released Suspiria in theaters. Um, the director spoke openly about his plans to kind of make a second and a third, even a third film. So. I guess this was supposed to be like Suspiria part one and part two would dig into the origins of Madame Blanc 
and uh, Helena Marcos and the future of Susie. Um, unfortunately, the film was considered a bomb and it didn't recoup enough money at all to uh, for the studios to allow that story to continue, uh, which is a shame. We see this like a bunch in horror movies, like uh, most notably like The Thing, like John Carpenter's The Thing where um, the film kind of picks up more steam as it's like out, but upon release, you know, nobody really, you know, fucks with it so much. It's like the film, like I said, is becoming more and more beloved as time goes and appreciated, but big bomb when it came out. And we see that too often in horror. Uh, Unlike the original film, which I'm sure this is going to come up quite a bit, um, the original film, Exaggerated Colors, beautiful palette, uh, almost like a hallucination. Um, the director conceived Suspiria 2018 as kind of like a winterish, very bleak, um, absent of primary colors, uh, very muted. Uh, the music score is the d- debut score by Radiohead singer Tom York, uh, who followed Radiohead and uh, co-composers Johnny G- uh, Greenwood and Phil Selway into film scoring. Are you guys big Radiohead fans? I wouldn't call myself a super fan. I know some songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. I actually didn't know that before before today that he scored this movie. Uh, Are there any other artists that you think? So obviously Tom Tom York went into the direction of the uh, of uh, fuck. What's the guy from Night Styles? I'm like losing my card. Trent Reznor, of course. Uh, Is there any other artist you think like could score like a killer horror film? Lady Gaga. I Lady Gaga that. would be really good. If she hasn't good, already. Yeah. I don't think she has, but I would really like to see that, actually. Yeah, that's true. Lady Gaga would be really good. Katie? I'd second that. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think longer about that. Maybe that can be an, a bonus up. Cardi B? <laughs> that actually <Robin>. would be <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> uh, this film marked the fifth collaboration between director Luca and actress Tilda Swinton. The previous were the protagonists, uh, The Love Factory, Los Sono L'Amour, and A Bigger Splash. So, ladies, that concludes the fast facts for now. I'm going to hit, you know, a couple more later on. Uh, Rose, this is your first viewing of this film. Uh, what did you think about this one? I really enjoyed it. There were some parts that um, I definitely, like, felt the length of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that, not to jump too far ahead, but the scene in the Red Room, I guess, uh, where all of the witches are dancing and uh, they finally, you finally get to see Madame Marco and Marcos. Marcos, and then you see Susie is actually one of the original mothers, mm-hmm. the real mothers, not a false mother. That scene was cool but i did think that it dragged on a little bit and it was really a little self-indulgent maybe but mm. like i mean i enjoyed it overall but i just felt the link at a certain point i was like i get it i get it mm. let's keep it moving but that was that's just me a lot of people may have been like totally enthralled by the length of that scene but mm-hmm. for me it was like just a smidge too long <laughs> but okay. yeah all right so i watched this twice mm-hmm but I didn't watch it before you assigned it for the pot. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, on my first viewing, I made the mistake of watching it kind of late at night and not realizing it was going to be as long as it was. It's more mm-hmm. than two and a half hours, I feel like. Yeah, it's like two hours and 32 minutes, I yeah. think. Yeah. So once I got to the end, I was like, wow, where was this the whole time? This is like 
awesome. Like I really enjoyed that. And there were like, of course, plenty of great scenes sprinkled throughout, but I did feel it was too long upon second watch. I appreciated it more and I didn't mind how long it was. So there's, I don't know what, there's some witchcraft maybe happening there with the creation Mm -hmm. of this. Maybe just the expect, knowing the expectation going in that it was longer. Yeah. So I will say from the jump, I really, really enjoy this film and I could probably watch it a few more times and still like it. But before I like go on this whole episode talking about all the things I like, like the deep themes and Mm -hmm. symbolism and these like heavier things that I tend to enjoy in mo- in movies, I want to point out some of the negatives. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> if that's okay. Other than the length, I mean, obviously it's kind of too long. There's some editing. Like they could have halved the Sarah scenes. They could have edited down the therapist and his wife storyline. Not get getting rid of it, but like they could have brought it down a little bit. They some of the dance scenes and rehearsal scenes were way too long. Mm-hmm. way too long you know what i mean so it's just things like that and something i hated but i understand was probably a choice a sound editing choice because of the um importance of breath in this film like yeah. the size and the breath because it's mother of size and like there's a lot of breath the breath doesn't bother me that's natural with dance too and music and anything where you have to keep time um it's the eating scenes <laughs> when really? they're e- when they're eating food together there's a ther- the therapist and sarah have a scene the therapist is like lip smacking through this food as he's talking and it drives me nuts <laughs> and then there's another scene where um blanc and Susie are um having an intimate moment where they're eating at the same time they're talking mm-hmm. and that mic is turned up all the way to 11 on just the eating sounds and i am misophonia so it was too much so if they could just fix those little things mm-hmm. yeah like um you mentioned uh and i'm sure we'll go more into the story but like one of my notes was too much story because i really like focused on and uh, i wanted to get your guys's take on this because both of you guys really really enjoyed the original for you know the kind of movie that he was trying to make Dario argento was trying to make and it's hard not to compare it a little bit. But I, I felt like that there is almost... Like you mentioned the Doctor and his wife uh, storyline. And I'm like, I, I don't know if that was even needed like in the in the movie, like to be honest with you. Like I get it that it, pro- it made it a better drama and stuff. And, you know, there was... Uh, it was very well acted. Like I'll, I'll say that. Like this whole movie was very well acted and stuff. I felt like that they gave us like a little bit too much to chew on though. Like, and you guys mentioned the runtime. I a hundred percent agree. Like I think it could have been cut way down or if you want to do this runtime, as long as it is, make it a fucking series. It's like, you know, uh, it, we see this problem like, uh, with doing these types of movies lately that are like two and a half and three hours. It's like, it's hard to recoup the money. So just make it a damn series. Yeah. You know, or a mini, cool. Yeah. Like a mini series or something. I, hope that by the end of this i'll make a case for the therapists and like the therapist and his wife you know mm-hmm. who you know they're victims of the holocaust i hope hopefully i'll make the case for why that helped this film mm-hmm. and i think solidified some of its themes no for sure no like but i don't um, want to jump too far ahead <laughs> uh like i said i i'll share um like we we got to focus like on 
kind of like the differences and what makes this one like a different film uh, than the original. And that's like with the a lot of the dance scenes, like a lot of the dance scenes are much more intense, much more important. Um, I know the director and the writer like wanted the dance to directly reflect like the women's emotions and movements and stuff. So uh, a lot of the inspiration for uh, choreography came from female dancers, Mary Wigman, uh, Pina Bosch, Pina Bosch, sorry, um, and uh, Sasha Waltz. Um, modern dance, obviously, as you pointed out early, it, it's not, you know, contemporary, uh, yeah, contemporary yeah. dance and stuff. I thought all that was like very well done. But it is a different film, you know, in many ways than the original. Um, and I think that's actually one of its strengths. But um, we were talking about weaknesses. Rose, uh, as, as I'm getting off on kind of like a little tangent here. Rose, uh, what, what were one of your weaknesses with this movie? I mean, I agree with Kate uh, about some of the weaknesses. I do think that some scenes could have been just cleaned up a little bit, tightened tightened in this for the sake of time mm -hmm. but also yeah. for the sake of like keeping the story moving and not like losing track a little bit yeah, like but, the scene where the one um elder witch just stabs herself in the neck like like i don't her care what was her what point of her character what was the point of that like were you uh jiminy glick uh, looking at your watch a couple times during the i movie? think a couple of times you probably looked over and saw my face a couple of times i was like all right come on like yeah we get it like I think some, and some, it's not just this horror movie. Like there are some, and in movies in general, but some horror movies have that problem of like wanting to beat you over the head with some themes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we get it. Or wanting to beat you over the head with like, look how cool we made this scene and dragging it out, dragging them out. But like, it didn't have to do that to make its point. But I mean, overall I thought it was really great movie and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I liked the themes. I liked the doctor's storyline. Um, mm -hmm. Could that have been a little bit, you know, tighter, trimmed up too? Yeah, sure. But I overall liked that too. I agree with Kate on that. Did you guys like find yourself comparing it to the original as you were watching it? Uh, personally, not at all. Okay. Not really. Only certain scenes that I knew were like, that I saw were almost pretty direct, like replications in some, but they were very brief moments. It wasn't like the whole scenes were they were more replicated. Like it was just little, moments. They were nods, yeah, more mm -hmm. than they were. Which I appreciated. I didn't want like a shot for shot. Like that would have been really boring to me to do a shot for shot remake. I will say so. One of my negatives, um, just to get negatives out of the way, because uh, I think we all three like enjoyed this film. Um, one of my negatives, uh, and I'm sorry to say this, but one of my negatives is the uh, is the the score. I felt it was strong in some areas, but I felt like it really lacked in others. Like, and I felt like, I don't know, like something about that ending scene, like the score should have been like, I, I would have enjoyed a more uh, bombastic kind of score. More chaotic. Yeah. Like more uh, like, I've, and it the sucks original, because the original did a better job at disorienting you. The, it <sighs> See, did the music yeah. and the camera work did a better job of disorienting you. But I don't think that was the point of this movie. Mm -hmm. I don't think this movie's goal was that, which I think with mm -hmm. Dario's like original, I think it was. And but the in the problem. beginning in the beginning of this movie, they do a lot of camera work that's very reminiscent of the seventies version that is sort of disorienting, but they don't stick with that throughout the entire film. I don't, I didn't think that's, that's the problem with like uh, thinking about the original is like that goblin theme is just so fucking awesome. Like in that movie. The reason I'm not against this score 
being the opposite of bombastic mm-hmm. is it, the audio matches the visual mood. The audio mood ma- matches the visual mood. The visual mood is very bleak. Um, like you said, it's desolate. Mm-hmm. And I and it's a little monotonous. You know, the visual color palette is monotonous. And you find that happening, you know, similarly with a lot of the the, the score underneath. I think in those big crazy scenes, like the the like the final scene, you know, underground, mm-hmm. where the witches are doing their ceremony and everything, could I have used a little bit more dynamics, a little bit more forte, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or like kind of spikes in the in the sound, you know, just to kind of shock you out of like that could have helped. That could have helped yeah. me. My the feeling that I had in that during that whole scene or as the scene carried on was like, okay, like this is lasting a long time, but it doesn't feel like it's as climactic as it should be. And maybe the score during that scene could have helped. I think Kate brought up a good point there. Like if it did have more highs there, I think it would, I wouldn't have noticed so much that it was in for me dragging a little bit Mm -hmm. when it was supposed to clearly be like a climax. Yeah, and I felt like it was a little bit too muted and a little bit too dark at times. Like, um, like there was a time when, like, well, we 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 put our brightness like all the way up on our TV and shit just to f- figure out what the fuck was I mean, going we had, on. <laughs> we are we were watching it sort during daylight hours, yeah. not during the height, but like we had every blind and window and and light off and closed in our house, like yeah. trying to see this movie. And I think so, that's like, purposeful. Like, it's it's definitely a choice and. Because it's not as loud and shit as you know the original. I feel like you can have to be in, more watchful. Can I jump into a theme or is should, yeah no for sure? Want, do we want to go through plot first? Uh, the plot. It's gonna take us. I think for the listeners, we talked about this ahead of time. So there's yeah. multiple acts, and there's like you know names for each act. That yeah. Are, you know, delivered. Every film has acts, but this has like specific ones with like chapter titles, if you will. And so I think our plan is to kind of go chapter by chapter and kind of Mm -hmm. talk through the plot, break it down a little bit, and then we'll move on to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. So before we do that, do you want me to bring up an important theme? Because it kind of speaks to it kind of speaks to what I think could have been the the reason for the visual choices, the dark Mm -hmm dim pat like lighting the bleak palette like color palette and the kind of monot not monotonous but just like the the dynamicless kind of yeah, music no. um <clears throat> so this movie takes place in divided berlin so mm-hmm. kind of cold war era post world war ii obviously um in berlin in germany where obviously we know nazism like this is the this is one of the big themes right so there's this idea that there's this persistence of nazism lurking under the surface mm-hmm. in this city and it's kind of symbolized by these witches who are lurking underground underneath practicing their you know evil kind of witchcraft mm-hmm. but i think because that is such like a symbolic message in this film that it's not just about you know witches doing witchy things 
um, in, and they just happen to be in Berlin at this time. Like, that's not coincidental. Uh, it's not just because Dario Argento's film took place in Berlin either. Like, it, this is a commentary. It's making a commentary about, like, the persistence of Nazism and fascism and mm-hmm. how just because a war ends or a regime changes doesn't mean that these people don't continue to exist. Like, because a, a big part of the story that you see, like, just, again, it's a, a little bit beat over your head kind of thing. There's constantly news stories in the background, and they're talking about the news stories. They're talking about these terrorists. And it's these terrorists who are trying to get, you know, former Nazi terrorists out of jail. They're breaking them out and um, trying to kind of re- create this resurgence of fascism in, in the city. It's because it's so central, because it's so dark, and because it's so depressing to think about that 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 like goodness can't win <laughs> or mm-hmm. like doesn't seem to be able to fully win. Um, that's why I think I did, I wasn't too hard on the visual choice and, and why it's so different from Dario Argento's, which is like super bright, very primary blues and reds right at the same time at you. And um, it was honestly kind of bright. There's a lot of white in Dario mm-hmm. Argento's as well. And like Rose said, the score of that one was just so like, chaotic and clashy and Rattling, dissonant like, yeah mm-hmm. um and yeah it just jars you so i don't know thoughts on that <laughs> yeah no it's like uh it's quite you're quite literally like like playing as the witches you're quite literally in the dark in this one like you know and in, in hiding and stuff like that so now what do you think about that rosie yeah i mean those are all good points and i think one of the words you described when you mentioned the color palette and your intro was cold and mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense for the time. So, I mean, I think she's hitting the nail on the head with that, but, um, yeah, I think that I don't want to get too far into the further acts, um, because of how you guys want to organize the episode, but, um, stuff, some stuff with the doctor, like when they first, when the older witches like bring the doctor in, why don't we go like some of the things that they say to him? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to bring this theme to the forefront before we jump into plot. So then as we get go through kind of scenes and everything, we can point out like, oh, well, that that makes sense. Just like, for instance, like the girls at the end who are being drained yeah. of their life force. Like you can see a very clear parallel to, you know, Jews and opponents of the Third Reich, you know, mm-hmm. and how they were, you know put into these camps and just treated inhumanely to the point where they're just like nothing was left of them and they just wanted to die you know like so there's a lot of these things that we can kind of point out now that we've put that out into the ether into the <laughs> into the earlobes there <laughs> all right do you want to start talking about these acts yeah let's go ahead and like uh let's take them like by act one and act two like uh just split them up like two acts at a time that way we don't go super super long like on the plot, uh, and we can kind of like interject, like as we uh, found find something interesting or whatever. Um, yeah. So let me give you a rundown of what they are, mm-hmm. uh, and then I will just kind of start with the first one. So um, the first act is called 1977. It's your establishing act. The second is Palaces of Tears, kind of a long one, um, and then you've got borrowing and then taking, which I'm going to combine. I already know off the bat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to combine those. Um, these are not super long each. Uh, and then in the Mutter house, uh, all the floors are darkness is a major one leading into Suspiriorum, which is that 
big scene that we've already kind of oh, touched yeah. on a little bit, oh, yeah. uh, which like we'll walk through some of the details of that. That's mm-hmm. honestly kind of rad. It's it's what saved this film for me, honestly. Uh, and then there's an epilogue at the end called A Sliced Up Pear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just like ties it up with a little bow at the end. So shall we start with 1977? Oh, yeah. Let's roll. All right. So I, I mentioned it's in takes place in divided Berlin. Um, you've got these German uh, protests going on. Um, you've come upon a mental patient called Patricia, who is barging in on her therapist uh, with songs in her head saying they're witches and she's just acting really erratic. Um, and she's got her little diary that she leaves there. Um, and, you know, she was friends with this girl, Sarah, very close to Sarah and Olga, who come into the story later. Uh, but she is convinced that the witches want to possess her and eat her. Mm-hmm. Um, so you find out later that what they do to Susie, they were trying to do to Patricia, but tr- Patricia wasn't willing. Uh, so we'll get more into that like later. Um, and you see in this scene, um, the first kind of mother uh, element coming in, these like subtle uh, quotes and things that are kind of just in the background. I think this is on a picture or like a, a cross stitch yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. in the therapist's office. It says, a mother is a woman who can take the place of all others, but whose place no one else can take. Mm-hmm. I thought that was at the farmhouse with... Right, it probably is. With um, that's Susie's mom. Next, right, because that's actually my next segue into the... I'm, I'm really burning through these scenes because mm-hmm. if I... I would just be talking nonstop if I went through plot because it's such a long movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you you re- you come up upon soon. You meet Susie. She's wandering in the rain finding the dance school. This is very similar to Dario Argento's version. Yeah. Um, and she's there to audition. She has no skills or training. Um, and she's auditioning in silence. Uh, you don't get to see most of her audition, but you're left with the sense that she did amazing and blew everyone away, especially Blanc, uh, who n- normally doesn't show up for these kind of auditions, but did for this one. She must have, must have felt the force or something. Um, <laughs> and there's this amplified breaths, you know, dramatic eye contact uh, with Madame Blanc happening. So you're seeing this um, connection forged between them right off the bat. Uh, and then, you know, she gets accepted. She's, look, you know desperate for lodging she's poor she's coming from like kind of an amish background i think um in the u.s she's just been drawn to berlin apparently uh, her whole life and so sarah you know friend of patricia crazy girl uh is the one that brings Susie to the dance company and she takes kind of patricia's place you know figuratively and literally um and this is again where you're introduced to that underlying story on the news that's constantly telling you that there are terrorists trying to get uh, former Nazi people out of prison. Yeah. And I guess like to reiterate my weakness of it, it's like, I felt like that, that those kind of moments like almost took me out of it. Like every time that happened, like every time there would be like a little, um, and I, I respect that they were trying to like what they were trying to do, but like every time they were mentioning like the RAF and like, um, or I think that's what they were called and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, and they were giving you all these like, hints of what's going on around it and stuff i'm like ah, i kind of want to be like in the witch's house kind of thing <laughs> you know what that's i'm saying that's a very like, travis thing of you no to it say. is though it is though i'm like i kind of want to worry about the witches though like you know yeah and i think we can't forget patricia also seemed to be some type type of activist as well well that they mentioned that she could have been 
But I think it was also kind of the reason they were almost telling us a lot of this new stuff was making that stuff w- up about her. Though that was the witch's cover story for why she disappeared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, she was in with this terrorist group. She, you know, there was a bombing down the street at that bank. Mm-hmm. She probably just died in that. Yeah. Um, and that is just like a very elaborate and like overly explained way of saying like why Patricia's gone. And yeah. I don't think like they could have explained that away with simple witchcraft because they show you later on mm-hmm. that these witches can affect people's memories. So it's like, why wouldn't they just be like all the girls forget, including Sarah? Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, anyway, so next is Palaces of Tears. This is, you know, Act Two, Chapter Two. And you see um, elder witches. I'm calling them the elder witches. So there mm-hmm. are these like older women who are kind of like this, the staff and the teachers of the dance school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're a coven, essentially. Um, you don't see Mother Marcos, who we have mentioned till the end, but you know she exists. Um, <clears throat> and the elder witches are basically voting for who, which witch which which should be um, the kind of head honcho who should remain in power of the coven. Uh, and majority ruled Mother Marcos, um, but a lot of there was a lot of dissent. There was a lot of people who wanted Blanc and this other person, um, but ultimately Marcos is staying in power. Uh, and as part of that scene, they also discuss trying to do what they did to Patricia, which was trying to make her the new vessel, the new host of mother marcos because mother marcos is deteriorating you don't see it yet but they tell you she's like you know she's old she's falling to pieces whatever she's like down there crawling around full of disease yeah (laughs) Yeah. yes her kind of essence and her soul need a new host body Uh a young beautiful dancer someone who has this like innate shine in their eyes this like ability to be able to you know naturally you know through their movement conduct these crazy you know, rituals or whatever. I don't, that's just kind of how I took it. Um, and they talk about how they want to do this to another girl and what they need to do to kind of make it work, uh, which it's, it's hinted at several times throughout the film. Uh, the, the vessel, the host girl has to be willing to do it. They don't really know why it went wrong with Patricia, but they're assuming it's because she was unwilling. Is well, because they, they tried to said. trick her into it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and she, I think she had some underlying mental illness or she would have had a therapist. <laughs> what I thought was interesting about this film too is like we spend a lot of time with the witches. Like like you like you guys said at the beginning, they're going to dinners and like they're fucking with the security guard or whatever, that cop that comes, comes by. Yeah. Uh, like, like we spend, we almost like, it's almost like they're the protagonists and stuff and they're getting set up in this game that they end up finding out that they're getting fucked over by you know, what happens at the end. And it's like, I felt like that that was kind of cool, like a cool way of, um, you know, switching it kind of. Yeah. Cause in Dario Argento's version, you don't yeah. know what the fuck's going on and it's not revealed. They're all witches till like close to the end. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, I like that they were just upfront. Like this movie's about witches. These people are witches. Mm-hmm. Like, so get on board and here we go. Here's and that was a different like plot. right up front. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, after this cut to, they're doing, you know, a, a rehearsal maybe one of the first rehearsals with Susie the new American girl um, and she's of course got red hair she's very symbolic as well like in her styling uh, but anyway there's Olga which is another friend of Patricia's and and um, 
Sarah's and she is dancing with this main role that was Patricia's and she knows something fucked up is going on and she uh, is kind of losing her shit in rehearsal and calling out Blanc and you know everyone else for doing what they've done and she's blaming them like how can you just continue to go on like Patricia was never here like it's messed up Mm -hmm. Um, because again I guess they didn't bother to erase anyone's memories Uh, (laughs) uh, but that's kind of pivotal because they just take Olga away and then um, Susie steps up and they're like, and she's like, I'll do the dance. Uh, she's got this light in her eyes mm-hmm. uh, purposefully. And Blanc does some kind of hand and feet voodoo, voodoo on yeah, her, like I with her hands weird, and her feet. Um, and Susie dances this ritual. It's it's a choreographed thing that um, it's like a well-known dance. I what guess. is it called? The Volk or the, uh, I can't remember. I think oh, it's called the Volk. I'll reference it in a, in a bit because um, there's a conversation. That the Vulcan, I think mm-hmm. is what the Vulcan. Um, but Susie dances it um, kind of innocently as far as she knows. Um, but you see, which is, again, this is a very cool scene, uh, where yeah. she, as she's making these movements with her body, she is simultaneously mutating Olga, who's been put <laughs> into this like mirrored dance studio. That was a fucked up scene. Man. She Her body is just contorting in ways the body shouldn't. Um, and it's like killing her, but it hasn't killed her all the way. Um, and then the elders, the elder witches come into the mirrored room that Olga's in, see her just like twisted into knots, turning gray. And um, they sink these hooks into her and they carry her away with these silver hooks. Um, so I thought that that was another yeah. cool, um, and I'll get your opinion on this, Rose, like the addition of the hooks uh, to the witches. Like I've never seen that done before. Um, why, do you, why do you think they had to do that and they couldn't touch her what do you what do you think yeah i don't know like um I, it was very cool though like it was very like original and stuff i felt like because it's they're, they're very creepy like just walking around with fucking big yeah. hooks and shit it's almost just like treating her like she's the cattle yeah um, like me right yeah. that's the impression i got i didn't think that it was at first i was like it just seems like they're doing it out of like more cruelty Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really make any sense to me uh, why they would hook her other versus just like moving her onto a tarp and then carrying her. I thought mm-hmm. that would have so been they, easier. Yeah, but... they didn't do that. So I think this, the more I'm thinking about it right now in the moment, I think this is more maybe an artistic choice um, because if you think about it, if Mother Marcos is, you know, the head of this cruel regime like Hitler, mm-hmm. um, that is kind of how they treated the Jews. I mean, mm-hmm. like non-humans. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no compassion for them. They were just like, they were there in an inconvenience. And it was like, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like she was too dirty for them to touch mm-hmm. with their hands. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess I could see why they did that. I also want to point out like uh, the, the part when Susie steps up to do the dance. Um, this is another kind of hint on who Susie actually is because it's like you get the sense like Madame Blanc, uh, Tilda Swinton's character is kind of like you you don't know the dance and stuff like that. And Susie's like, I saw it in New York. Like um, she says something else and something else. And, She's seen it many times. Yeah. It's on, she has it on videotape or whatever. Like yeah. she's- And she doesn't like nail it, but she gets pretty damn close to where like fucking Olga's like, like you said, <laughs> below like twisting up and fucking crawling around. Yeah. But that's, an, that's one of those like first hints of like, 
okay, who is Susie and stuff. Which is how this act kind of starts to, it, it, it like comes mm-hmm. to a close. So uh, this is one of those scenes that I hated because of the chewing sounds. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so this is a scene where um, Susie and Madame Blanc are um, talking for the first time alone, sort of for the first time, I'm assuming, alone. Um, and you find out that uh, Susie's like this Amish runaway from America who's obsessed with Blanc- Blanc's work, like obsessed in a way where like, how does he, an Amish girl even become obsessed with something like this, you know? like, And you see lots of flashbacks throughout the film of her just having this innate draw, like even on, she's like doing her homework or whatever. And you see her drawing a like line from where she lives probably in Pennsylvania or some shit to Berlin. And it's just like these lines just all going to Berlin and she's mm-hmm. trying to study Berlin and her family's like, we're studying America today, you know? So she has this draw and I don't think she knows why she's there. She just knows she must be there. Yeah. She's being drawn to there, but they're having a conversation and, and it's really creepy. And um, there's a sexual tension to me between mm-hmm. the two of okay. them. I was going to ask you guys that, yeah. like if you guys got that or was it like mother daughter or was well, it... let me tell you what they say. So Blanc says, what did it feel like to perform Vulcan in front of me? The one who created it. So she's like the mother of this dance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Susie says, I imagined it's what it felt like to fuck. I was thinking of an animal, mm. which is like kind of gross to me. I got a gross feeling from that exchange because of the power dynamic between them. It just felt wrong. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, um, or it's like a, like a, like a repressed, maybe, uh, maybe Susie's like repressed and stuff like that. So it's like, it kind of gave her like freedom and that's kind of what she meant by it. I don't know. It's weird. It's like I was dancing your dance for you. And yeah. It made me feel like I was fucking you. Like, yeah, Lord gross. of the Dance. What if gross. that goes on with Lord of the Dance? I mean, it definitely. There's definitely this sexual tension between the two characters, mm-hmm. and I think it's just speaking to like the draw that they have to one another. But I'm thinking, you know, she mentions that like, it's what I imagine it would be like. Mm-hmm. she's never actually done it clearly but i think i'm just thinking back to the scene where her actual mom in ohio says ohio. like this was the daughter like that daughter is the smear on like that <laughs> i, I like, left on yeah. the earth like that's a different yeah. chapter so, but I, I have that in here but yeah, yeah like so the way this ends before we get to the next um mm-hmm. is Susie isn't totally, you know, under the wing or, you know, under the spell, I guess, of Blanc and the other witches quite yet. She's still got this kind of alliance to Sarah because Sarah is the first person to show her kindness and, you know, to be her peer friend uh, on a peer level. Uh, She agrees to help Sarah with something. She just agrees to do something to help her, but doesn't say what. Um, So it turns out, you know, they are... Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, you cut to Susie sleeping. You know, Susie, there's lots of dream scenes and sequences, which, uh, like, they kind of drive the plot forward sometimes, and other times they don't at all. But this one uh, is showing images of Susie being punished by her mom, like Rose mentioned, um, and for masturbating in a closet, you mm-hmm. know, in private. Oh, um, is that what that was? Yeah, I couldn't. So she, I thought it she was, was but... like a pubescent girl, kind of starting to go through puberty, exploring her body, and she's like in a closet masturbating. 
um, and her mother catches her and punishes her. And then you see like these flashes of um, writing a hand with blood on it, writing A's, mm-hmm. like the letter A, capital A, like a scarlet letter, like you're a whore kind of very mm-hmm. on the nose mm-hmm. um, all over the walls. So like you're kind of getting a sense. She just talked about, you know, having this like sexual feeling when she's dancing Blanc's dance uh, and then, you know, kind of juxtapose, juxtapose to her past where she was shamed for any kind of sexual anything. Which throughout history, women have been <laughs> shamed and called yeah. witches for, yeah. For so. liking sex for anything yeah. other than reproductive purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Any other things you want to cover in Palaces of Tears before we move on? No, I'm down. I'm down to move. Okay. So borrowing and taking, combining, here we go. So you see that while Susie and Sarah are, you know, digging through records, like trying to find more information about Patricia's whereabouts or like maybe what happened to her, what these witches are up to. um, Susie's just along for the ride, as far as I could tell. Sarah's Mm -hmm. the one who really has a mission. Um, They're looking for this. At the same time, these detectives, because the therapist has reported Patricia missing, um, these detectives have shown up at the school and the elder witches have them in a room with an earshot and eye shot, I guess, of <laughs> where Susie and Sarah are. They don't know Susie and Sarah are there that we know of. Um, but the wit- these witches are toying with these detectives. They're controlling their minds. They are like treating them almost like puppets, like, and they're like making mm-hmm. them do and say funny stuff just like for their own amusement, mm-hmm. uh, which is like really dark. But Susie is watching them toying with these bewitched detectives, you know, um, which is, I think, her first. I think it's, yeah, it's Susie's first time actually seeing that there's like, oh wow, these women have some kind of power. These are witches. Oh, yeah. Fast forward, because that's what we got to do. There's a new piece that Blanc has decided to create, a new dance piece called Open Again, and it's about, like, rebirth. It's like Open Again, Rebirth, something like that. And um, Susie, of course, is the lead dancer, and she's improvising. Like, this, it doesn't exist. There is no choreography this time. So Blanc is just like, yeah, just start doing your thing. And so she's mostly writhing on the ground um, in this animalistic kind of often sexual way but it's like she's just stuck to the ground um and what you find out and you see little glimpses of is that mother marcos has been brought up from her depths Mm -hmm. and she's been like kind of so that she can witness this dance and this girl Susie, that her possible new vessel uh she's hidden under the floor kind of Mm -hmm. and that's why Susie is like kind of drawn to the floor uh during this dance um and so it just becomes clear at that point that, you know, Marcos wants Susie, period. Um, more scary dreams, blah, blah, blah. And you find out that Blanc is the one sending the dreams to her. It's almost like reminding her how awful, how awful her, like, bio mother is. Mm-hmm. Like, just scaring the shit out of her, reminding her of these, like, awful traumatizing things her mother has done to her. Almost to drive a wedge between her and that past and, and that other mother you know and to forge more i guess support and alliance with them because they're treating her so well and look she's the star and all this whatever um the therapist also you know he comes back in the picture and he finds sarah patricia's friend 
And he's like giving her diaries and talking about her delusions and, you know, scaring Sarah for a little bit. Um, They come back together later on in this stretch of scenes. Um, There's a major rehearsal dance scene where the jumping is a big thing. Um, I don't want to get too into it. It was a very long scene for, I'm not sure, important reasons, frankly. But um, I think the only important thing to come out of this is that Blanc is kind of laying the groundwork to convince Susie that she wants to be the vessel. And she also says specifically, like, you know, in a, in a book, a private lesson with her, it's like about the jumping. They were practicing the jumping. Like, Mm -hmm. like, no, because Susie keeps saying like, oh, the dance is so beautiful. Or like the, the way you phrased that about the jumping is so beautiful. It's French. It sounds so poetic or whatever. And Blanc says, like, no, nothing about dance. No dance should ever be seen or it shouldn't have the intention of being beautiful anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all the things that have happened basically right. in the world is how she described it right. to me. So cut to it's just like there's so much and I cut down a lot, guys. So well, Susie uh, had mentioned like to that point, Susie had mentioned that like to her, it just felt like she needed to be on the ground. Mm-hmm. which is where like Madame Marcos was like that connection to me. I felt like Blanc didn't want her to be willing. I felt mm-hmm. like she didn't want, cause she mentioned multiple times, like should we, like we just brought her in right away. Like we have to turn her over to Marcos. Like you can tell she doesn't agree with this whole philosophy mm-hmm. and that like she sees this person that, she's connected to being taken away for the purposes of Marcos like inhabiting her. And she's like, to me when she's talking about like the separation from the ground is what's important. Like it almost seems like she's trying to inception her to not want to be willing. Yeah, That's that, what I felt. That kind of takes us like to the ending like, even really. Cause it's like, um, like Tilda Swinton's character even says like, uh, are you sure you off. don't have to do this? I'll take you away. If you don't want to do this, I'll erase all memory mm-hmm. of this. Like she tells her that. So to me, I interpreted that as like, she kind of what, like she knew that to be in the good graces of the rest of her coven, she was going to have to at least appear like she was like leading Susie down that path. But I think she also was laying these seeds of like, you don't have to do this. And like, and that's impo- separating, but that but that's important though, right? She has to right. She has to tell Susie that you have an out and you're not obligated to this. Like, and it's there's no shame in it in not wanting to be it because then you can't have a truly fully willing person. Mm-hmm. And I think Blanc just doesn't want to, you know, waste for lack of a better right. word, have another, another Patricia person. situation. Yeah, um, I'm gonna try to fast forward a little bit. So. The therapist and Sarah meet again and he is telling her about, he kind of takes on this role. There is this in Dario Gento's as well. This like an expert sage on the stage, kind of mm-hmm. someone who happens to know all these things. Um, but it's, but it's just a little different. It's a little less, um, I'm a supernatural es- expert and more like, you know, I'm seeing this like kind of as a realist. Uh, so he's telling her about the, you know, what he's learned in the notes and his kind of studies of what's in her, uh, Patricia's notebook about the mothers of darkness, tears and sighs, which Trav mentioned in the, the beginning of the ep. He approaches it from the sense that he sees this as a religion. This witchcraft is like a religion and, in, and religion is a shared delusion. 
rather than some legitimate practice. Um, and you can see his experience with the, the Third Reich and during the Holocaust as a parallel happening here um, and why that kind of colors the way he sees this um, group of people. Like, because uh, he doesn't know they're witches yet. <laughs> he, he just thinks that this is like what Patricia has kind of come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he believes that she's also involved in this kind of terroristic activism but anyway uh the way that the taking uh, chapter kind of comes to a close uh, a couple things Susie's mom you see is on her deathbed which is key in the end um and she's saying like rose mentioned that um Susie was her last child quote her sin that she smeared on the world (laughs) um and then sarah sees Susie can suddenly speak fluent french with blanc which she could not do before uh, and she knows something fishy's up. And that's kind of how they end that act. What do you think? Are there any scenes that from that that you guys were like? I, that was worthwhile. <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong and I just misinterpreted. I haven't watched it twice like you guys. So you can correct me or maybe it's open to interpretation. But I always, I got the sense that Susie, like there was something knowing about Susie from the time she got to the to the company like i think she like she obviously even at the end during the red room scene is what i want to call it but Mm -hmm. even during that scene like i think she still cared for sarah and she cared for um i wanted to call her chloe patricia like there was something about her that was caring about that circle of women Mm-hmm. And I think that she like out of nowhere for her in the beginning to just agree to help Sarah snoop when she was so enamored with Blanc. Like to me, I felt like there was a knowing there. I don't mm-hmm. think she was as naive, like coming into it as Patricia what might've been when she came. That is, I got that sense like that. She's always had this like mother in her Mm-hmm. so to speak but to what degree yeah and another take on like her and Blanc's uh relationship like uh we mentioned at the end uh before um what's her name Marcos is like going to before the plan ever like gets started and stuff Blanc is like telling her like saying like no we should stop this there's something off and mm-hmm. stuff like that you could take that as like does she care she cares for Susie or you could take that as like wait, there's something fucking off, like, with what's going on. And then, you know, the big reveals that, of course, she's a mother. Uh, mm. And that's, like, kind of is like the she, big... Is she the mother from the jump? I think this is what Rose is asking. Like, right. Is she the mother from the jump? Um, I think kind something of inside of her them was. All. Yeah, I think absolutely. I like, think and it might have been like, guiding her choices, some of her decisions. Well, if the one true mother is Mother Suspiriorum, which mm-hmm. we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, did she create Susie? And that's why her bio- biological mother has always rejected her. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. she's known she's something evil. That's or, what you know, my not. impression was. Mm-hmm. For sure. Good points. Good points. All right. I'm going to kind of rush through the last two so we can spend some time. <laughs> keep the listeners hanging too much. Um, So in the Mutra house, all the floors are darkness. Basically... This is just a huge section where they just spend an incredible amount of time on this premiere performance of this new dance mm-hmm. that they've been working on. 
some cool things they reveal in it. And it's an extremely long dance scene. Um, Sarah has disappeared from her post. (laughs) So they're doing this dance without her for a while. And then she shows up later. But while she's gone, um, she has discovered Patricia's weird, almost decomposing body. Uh, And there's like another footless body, you know, gray and just deteriorating uh, of someone else crawling around. It's Mm -hmm. very creepy, kind of cool looking, Mm -hmm. um, very cool uh, special effects makeup on Patricia um, and Sarah is just appalled she gets scared and runs away gets back into the dance performance her leg is broken and she's still dancing on it uh, and there's all this drama the therapist is at the show like it's a lot um, the dancing is kind of cool the costumes are really really cool they're like stark red stringy costumes with the yeah. white makeup and black or whatever. I don't know. It just looks very, very cool. striking. It's one of the more visually compelling scenes. Um, just for your eyes. It's like a nice break from all the dull. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the performance ends um, not the way it should. Just because Sarah's leg is broken and everyone's freaking out. Uh, and they stop the show. And uh, you see Susie and Blanc are, you know, alone at one point And they're talking. And they, uh, Susie says to Blanc, you don't want to make me choose because you love me. So that's, I think, kind of a little bit of an answer to the question of like Blanc, like, why is, what are Blanc's motivations here truly? Um, and I think at this point, Susie's very perceptive. Um, she's connected to whatever this power is. Uh, and she knows like Blanc just has these feelings, whether they're motherly love or sexual love or both, creepily, I don't know. Um, but she doesn't want her to choose to be the vessel i don't think blanc even understands what it is i think Mm -hmm. that blanc feels like there is some like earthly connection between the two of them that she can't describe like almost like a motherly like love but she can't understand it and it almost seems to not be coming what's interesting is it's not mother love from blanc to her but the opposite which is like and you'll see like they talk about multiple of the students or at least sarah at least will mention like oh, she's stern and she's tough, like, and then toward Susie, it's like she has this grand, like, great softness toward her, mm-hmm. like, then they have that interaction where she says, I, like, where Susie says, I want to be the hands, and she takes her hands, like, to me, it seems like she, she doesn't understand the connection, but it's obvious that it's almost reverse, like, there is that love from Susie to her almost in a motherly way, which I found to be really interesting, but, I mean, foreshadowing oh, for sure. uh, yeah, yeah it's certainly foreshadowing because i'm going to run through this suspiriorum see our chapter and that i think you get some answers that like who where's the motherly love coming from is it blanc or Susie? you think you you realize that it's the opposite of what you thought mm-hmm. um whereas blanc is she's perceiving there's something wrong that there's this other force coming you know um, so well, let's get into it. Suspiriorum is the last major chapter before the epilogue and the end. And Susie gets to go on a coven outing, outing. So she is like able to telepath. She is doing, she is a witch now at this point. They're pretty at much. dinner again. Yeah, yeah. She's, she is a witch. She's being included with the elders. Like it's serious and she knows what the fuck is up. Um, so they trick uh, the, the witches trick the therapist, some of them, the bad witches, I guess, uh, trick the therapist into walking to the school um, by using his long lost wife, 
in this like kind of apparition or this vision of her that he's seeing um to, to trick his mind and get him there as um, presumably another sacrifice or witness i don't know uh and then Susie follows this light energy down to the ceremonial pit rose is calling the red room uh <laughs> where the witches are all doing this like breathy naked dance um they're gutting sacrificial girls i think sarah gets gutted in that scene um and you you finally see the shriveled up job of the hut mother marcos <laughs> literally yeah. mother marcos uh character um and they again they've got the therapist there sarah patricia and olga i think are all of these like people suffering mm-hmm. and um so some things that mother marcos says uh she says there will be nothing of you inside only space for me mm-hmm. um which is again this vessel thing susie is just this new body for her um marcos it has like an argument with Blanc because Blanc is like, you don't have to do this, Susie. You know, uh, don't you feel something's wrong? Something's not right. We shouldn't be doing the ceremony now. It's she's not ready. Uh, and Marcos just, you know, with the power of the force, uh, just halfway beheads Blanc. Mm-hmm. She doesn't <laughs> yeah. completely behead her, but like just like halfway. You can't, it's hard to see like even what she does, but it's just like blood she's sprays like, from her neck you, and back or something. Yeah, yeah and then she hunches over, mm-hmm. but you know. You think she's dead. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, if you want, she says, um, she says to Susie, Marcos does, if you want to be my sacrifice, you have to basically telepathically kill your mother, like kill your mother, your biological mother right now. Mm-hmm. You know, close your eyes and kill her back in Ohio because she's on her deathbed anyway. Uh, and the quote is death to any other mother, any mm-hmm. other mother than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Marcos is this false mother. She has yep. painted herself to be one of the three. Yeah. Yeah, so she has painted herself to be one of these mothers. And there are believers and non-believers. Right. In their coven. <laughs> and you find out she's a liar because Mother Suspiriorum, the real one, she's this like black spiny figure. She's really cool looking. Like kudos to the people who like, conceptualized her and like made that real. It reminded me of some James Wan shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So she comes out um, and like people are starting to... the starting to scream like the other witches are starting to scream the, the dancers never stop like they just start doing they're in a they're trance. Kind of trance yeah um and mother superiorum like goes to marcos and it's like you're a false mother who anointed you and she's not able to answer correctly so she like kills marcos and then mother superiorum kills anyone else who ever voted for marcos like just cleaning house and those kills are just very bloody and dramatic and cool like you've kind of been wanting it the whole time you get Mm -hmm. a little bit of the body you know you know bodies being you know contorted and stuff in the early um scenes but this is the one where you're like oh shit they this is where they spent all their money Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and as this is happening you know Susie is having this uh euphoric strange moment and she's opening her chest and like becomes the host of the true mother um who you who turns out to actually be kind of a merciful mother you see her going around to all the the suffering people patricia sarah olga and putting them out of their misery like she but she doesn't just do it she asks them first what they want what what do you want and they all ask to die and she doesn't kill them until they ask to um so you see she's kind of a benevolent asking for their while very oh my while very uh violent and powerful as she shows you she's also you know benevolent in a way yeah she's sent to like uh cleanse the corrupt coven yeah if you will 
and, yeah and just like get it back on track I guess um it's just interesting to me that like she's one of the true mothers of like the earth because <laughs> she's just spending all her time in this one little coven in Berlin was, anyway there's no explanation for that uh I don't get it but anyway well, I didn't get the sense she was always there no but now she was that- called forth by Susie right I don't think she was called forth by Susie. I think she came because she knew something was up. Because of all of the dancy witch magic? They yeah, summoned her? I, yeah, I don't think we'll ever get I don't an think she'd just be chilling in Berlin. I didn't get that sense. I no, thought that they, she was no, called but, upon. No, but once she enters Susie, Susie's vessel, then she becomes... I mean, she's not mortal, but she's on a, on a mortal plane, you know? And she's she's become the new leader of this school effectively. Well, that's maybe why it would have been interesting to see where sequels went because maybe mm-hmm. she wouldn't have stayed there, but yeah. So wait, did the black figure actually enter Susie? Did it show? It, they didn't show it entering yeah. her. So they just showed thought... her opening her chest and there was this blackness inside of mm-hmm. her chest. They don't show where the black mother superiorum like figure goes. It just, she disappears I, I didn't think she went in Susie. Personally, I thought Susie was one of the original mothers. Yeah. And, and that... That was like a death kind of thing or something like that. Like a, oh, a, I de- thought that, a demon to do her Yeah. Movie. That's what I thought. That's what I took that as. You know, maybe you're right. Yeah. I, it would be interesting. Drop your thoughts in the comments, like, in socials, guys, because maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't get the sense that it entered her. I thought she was her own and she was letting something out. Um yeah maybe i didn't like i thought that they were two maybe of the three original mothers oh so i wasn't bringing in another mother i don't know i wasn't sure what that entity was mm-hmm. i thought it was some, i didn't even think it was like a mother i thought it was perhaps like a, she was just like a truly anointed one like maybe, the, I don't the know. true mother was that black figure maybe and the true mother superiorum came cleaned house anointed Susie and left. Maybe that's what happened. What are the three mothers of again? Darkness, uh, tears, and mother size. size so darkness, that, and size. That yeah. seemed like Suspiriorum, mother darkness to me. No, Suspiriorum is size. Mm-hmm. And she's she calls herself that when she comes out. Because she has like a disability. So which one was Susie? Because Susie was one of them. She said that she was one of the... Susie was Suspiriorum. Okay, or, then uh, who was the dark... The I dark think the one same. might have been the dark one. They're one and the same. Maybe she just cast a, a yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it was like into... a death figure or something that she like cast mm. uh kind of cleanse. Like, what like was she going could on. stand there, watch this, you know, figure she created, do her bidding, and then off it went hmm. once the the work was done. I don't know. It was it was a very Tell like, us somebody who knows what's up. Now that we're like at the at the ending scene, it was a very cool like looking scene and that mm-hmm. it kind of made you wish like um that there was more of that like throughout the movie like in a way you know um and again we've there's we, brutal trav yeah well like not only brutal trav but like trav who likes colors kind of mm-hmm. thing because <laughs> <laughs> it was like it, it was when it popped up and they were like naked and doing the dance and stuff and it was all red you're, you're just kind of like oh that's cool like you know what i mean like Whereas, like, you know, the rest of it's kind of just, like, in offices and, you know, just kind of drab, kind of, you know, I don't know. And, and that's a decision for sure, but, yeah. Yep. All right. So, let's talk about the epilogue. It'll be real quick. Uh, and you guys can tell me, I guess, if you think it was necessary. So, uh, at the end of Suspiriorum, they send the therapist home shell-shocked. They don't mm-hmm. even wipe his memory. So, he's sitting there in his bed. Um, anyway, uh, 
the girls that were the dancers that were just in a trance, they had no recollection of it in the morning. They thought they just drank a lot, you know, the night before. Um, you find out um, Blanc of the, you know, the, el- the elder witches that are still left. Um, they're down there, like, you know, trying to clean up, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, keep the girls, you know, it, from figuring out what's going on, trying to be like business as usual. But the ones that are cleaning up in the red room, like, they pull up Blanc and Blanc's eyes are moving around. Like, she's still half beheaded, but she's alive, kind of. Which kind of tells me, obviously, that's some kind of witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's mm-hmm. Susie keeping her alive because she did, probably didn't think she deserved to die. So in the sequels, if there ever became sequels, we probably would have found out maybe Blanc survived or was healed somehow. But anyway, um, Mother Susie is what I'm going to call her because I don't know what to call her. Uh, Mother Susie visits this therapist who's been in his bed just spiraling. Um, and she tells him that... Um, He's, she's basically like showing him some kindness. Like, you know, I'm going to tell you what happened to your wife. So like, cause she mentions, you know, the importance of suffering and you know, all this, but we don't need your suffering kind of thing. Uh, and she tells him that his wife tried to escape, um, the country back during the world war two and, um, was sent to one of the camps, the concentration camps, um, and they sent them all like out thousands cold. of people out in the cold. She died of exposure in this camp, but had two women with her. So she wasn't alone. Um, and she, then she wipes his memory of the bad witch experience. And that's pretty much the end. They kind of shift you over to some like little scenes, you know, pastoral kind of something's going on. There's like a little kid and a bird and nature and like, for the first time in the film, there's sun mm-hmm. and there's like bright colors and you kind of get the sense that there's it's like spring. this. Yeah. This is like uh, this regime change has brought the light mm-hmm. or like rebirth. Light, light and goodness and rebirth. Yeah. So that is pretty much how it ends. Y'all. What do you think? Was that necessary or could have they ended it brutal? Or do you think she showed enough empathy to the girls as she let them die um, in the underground? Was that enough or was this epilogue only here to well, and I think, uh, give a happy ending to something? Like, I don't know. And I think the cool thing about this one is um, like the original ends kind of with horror tropey as in like Susie kills uh, Mother mother Susperiorium uh, or whatever, how the fuck you say it. <laughs> uh, she kills the mother and like in a sense, like she's kind of like the, that kind of final girl. And in this one, she is like literally the final girl because she becomes the mother. So it's like, it's almost like that kind of, that's kind of like one of the themes of like, uh, becoming that power or becoming all all powerful or whatever. Uh, so I thought that that was kind of cool. Just like dichotomy between the two endings. What do you think of this? So Susie's final line uh, one of her final lines is, we need guilt, doctor, and shame. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? But not yours, is what she said. The, I think the the key part of it is we need guilt and shame. We, as humans, as people. Uh, just remembering the past. Souls. And like, yeah, it's like. Keeps it, you from reliving or like making the same mistakes again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and that's one of the big themes also is like the guilt of a nation and the guilt mm-hmm. of like the abuse of power and stuff and kind of moving on from that but never kind of forgetting that, you know, that that yeah. happened. It's a classic know your history so you don't repeat yeah. the mistakes of your past. Um yeah, this just gets back to like this you could apply this to beyond like this this film was very focused on, you know, fascism, nazism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, in that era, but you could take this on to like represent, you know, colonization, mm-hmm. slavery, like anything. The like the the core message is the same, mm-hmm. and works with all these other human atrocities. Mm-hmm. I think that the scene, your to answer your question, I liked the scene. I thought it wrapped the movie up nicely. I think without it, I would have been like, oh, okay, like that's the end, like. I thought it wrapped it up nicely without it being just like chaotic and splashy up until the very, very end. Like, I think you have to come down from that climax for it to be as impactful. Yeah. And so they did like, and they found a good way to wrap it up. And I think it also revealed like the whole purpose of that true mother coming to that coven to solve some of these problems. It's like they were wreaking uh, some of the coven was wreaking havoc in a way that um, they shouldn't have been ultimately Mm -hmm. like, and as Kate has drawn those parallels to what was happening around that coven too, like they were perpetrating violence in in the same, a lot of the same ways, just differently, I guess. But yeah, I thought it was a good ending. I liked the way that they did that and it wrapped up the storyline with his character. So I liked it, but yeah, this was a, this was a, a mother, a witch coming to him and saying, you know, we aren't better than you. We aren't better than you just because you're human. Right. Like, and we're like, I'm not a cruel. If you remember when they dragged him into the building, like they were saying very mean shit. Like you could have rescued, you rescued your wife and saved her, but you didn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then they were, te- they were also telling him like, you bring women, like you make women feel crazy and like which historically psychiatrists have like made women who are saying true and real things either about how they feel or about things that have happened to them made them feel like they're just hysterical and crazy but like this doctor actually believed patricia (laughs) he thought she probably was a little bit you know had something strange going on but like ultimately he believed her and he he was fighting for her he damn near went to war for her yeah put himself in danger he was trying to save find her and save her yeah Mm -hmm. so like they were saying untrue things about him too and then pulled him in there to make him suffer and i think that she saw all of that and was like okay well this was unnecessary maybe i should go like Mm -hmm. erase his memory of this crazy (laughs) shit happening to him (laughs) like yeah i think that I think without that scene, it would have been like, okay, well, what about the doctor? Like, he didn't deserve that, but... And he was showing kindness to Patricia, which obviously Susie's, or the mother, like, felt that kindness toward her, toward Olga, toward Sarah, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you guys talk fully about themes or any lingering themes? Well, there's a whole... There's a whole theme about mothers that's undeniable Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts on that before I share mine? Um, not any I want to talk about on here. Well, I can say something. So <laughs> there's a. This is kind of also you could see this film also as a kind of a coming of age story for Susie mm-hmm. as your protagonist. Um, 
<clears throat> she's a young woman going from a terrible what you know what you would see out from the outside is a terrible mother's um child you see her suffering through the dreams and the flashbacks and stuff suffering um through her adolescence to experience a number of other kind of ill-intended manipulative mother figures at the school um, with these witches that are trying to use her and abuse her uh, for their own benefit mm-hmm. um, and to finally choosing to almost integrate and become a good and benevolent mother herself right to mother herself mm-hmm. yeah to yeah. mother herself and to become the kind of mother she has never had mm-hmm. um so i think there's like undeniable message there about the, yeah, absolutely. the importance of like the quality of mother like it's not enough to push out a baby mm-hmm. uh that doesn't you know that doesn't make you and the, how mother. those who are traumatized by their parents like have to parent themselves in a lot of ways like yeah. out of some of the out of some of that trauma but so I know Kate had mentioned by the end of our conversation she was gonna have you convinced of Air Doctor's storyline are you convinced that it's like a good plot like it's a good story within the plot or I think it's a good story but I don't I still don't think it's necessary like I, I still think that it could have been um could have been chopped like the whole a, thing, a, yeah. Or... I I really do. Like I I really think so. I think he, I think he could have been a just a tropey doctor kind of investigating instead of we getting, we're getting his whole like uh you know uh, now I have to care about his wife and all like all this other shit. <laughs> like no seriously, in all seriousness though, I'm like I I want to spend more time like like learning about the mothers and learning about like the witchy stuff yeah, Susie and like stuff like that maybe even go into their histories and stuff like that there's a little something that I like something I picked up on because of the epilogue which is another reason I feel like the, that scene is important is like that there's this connection among women like there's this care for women because she mentions like there were two women with her that cared for her like at the end she wasn't alone and mm-hmm. like she felt like that was important to tell him and she felt it was important for him to know like how his wife went out. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think that that also draws to a theme within the movie, like a coven or like just an overall like connectedness among women, but yeah, group, a support group kind of thing, support group. Well, I just think there's a connectedness of women, you know, all over the world. There can be a woman in any other country suffering from one thing or another. And there's something about women that like we can like we're going to empathize and we're going to know inherently like even if you're not going through that suffering yourself. There's so much suffering in being a woman, just like even think physically (laughs) like we suffer every month, Um, you know. And there's something about that universal kind of experience of being woman. Um, I think that Rose is kind of getting at there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's like this thread that right. I feel connects women. Like, So it's okay. like, why am I following around this doctor? All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. So I can see kind of both sides. Okay. I'm, I convinced myself that it was um, necessary to um, the goals of the, of the creators to have this the symbolism in the uh, of the like a city torn apart with this seedy underground cruel um, underground faction um trying to destroy um 
and and turn everyone cruel, you know, uh, and inhumane. And I think to do that, it helped to reinforce that theme by mm-hmm. having this older doctor who has, you know, a direct tie to that war and that fascism that killed his wife. Um, and I think that's why I felt it if it felt like it fit maybe if this is just a director's cut um Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of the full like the the theatrical cut um maybe trav you might have liked it better if it was like director's cut had this in it and then theatrical because i could see a lot of merit to cutting out that storyline the therapist serving solely as this person who gets the diary to to sarah um and provides that like little nugget of knowledge about the three mothers like he could have just served that role and disappeared uh and then it it could have been enough i think i can see um, see both sides i think like it shifted out of the dance academy too much for me because like i think without that without us leaving the dance academy to like see what this doctor's doing or like you know stuff like that i think you get more of a claustrophobic feel and like more of that like you're trapped in that world like the witch's world and stuff but i don't think they were going for that in this right right but i I, no that's like we but we all agreed that it was like too long and i'm just saying like if stuff if we had to cut stuff I'm like, I'm not going to cut anything. Well, I probably would cut the witches like at dinner and shit. <laughs> like ordering DoorDash and shit like that. But like <laughs> the doctor stuff, I'm like, okay, I could have done without that and like just got more witchy stuff. Like that's that's my point is like, you know, if we're cutting something. You want to be entrenched. Because honestly, like I didn't think like the runtime, it was a little bit too long, but the runtime didn't really like bother me too, too much. I think I'm it- more in the camp like they could have cut little bits from many things yeah. to get to a shorter runtime. Like I still think that that storyline for me, I think that that storyline like has purpose and beyond just like the plot device of getting stuff to Sarah. Like I think I liked sort of the political conversation happening there a little bit too. Like I liked that that was a part of the story. And if you take that out, like I don't know that it makes as much of the connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perhaps though, Trav might have a point like it's possible the reason this bombed when it first came out um could have been well you know you could blame it on you know not good marketing or whatever else but I think it also could have been like the runtime's too fucking long people see it they're like kind of tired they're they're like like Travis Travis was seeing like this doesn't matter to me. Like, just show me the witches. Yeah, like, does the you know, witch movie really need, as... like, political intrigue and, like, you well, know, Well, this... and that's the thing is, like, wh- horror has, in the last couple of years, I become, I think, it's still splashy, but I think it's become less splashy and more, like, cerebral. I think it's entered mm. a different stage in horror. And in 2018, maybe we weren't there, but, like, I think in 2018, we were still, like, people were still going to the theater to see horror that was just like very splashy and in your face and like spooky the whole time and not as dynamic maybe storytelling and then okay this is this is what how i'm gonna describe it like take a movie like get out which was like what 2017 get out the the political component and the uh kind of the political themes of the film are in the forefront 
like it is to do with the main storyline, like about racism and, you know, all this other stuff. And this one, it's a subplot. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, the the main story is the witches, but they're trying to throw this and subplot the of like Berlin and like all this yeah. other stuff. I I'm see like, what you're saying. I don't, I don't know. You know. I think it was trying to draw this, the parallel parallelism or something like Kate has said between the two things. And it is more of a subplot, which I get. And so maybe to some people like, hey, that's a boring subplot and I would rather it just be witches like. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps this movie, I think this might be a criticism you might find a lot of people have of it, is that it's trying to be two things at once. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, um, like, I think it would be compelling enough. The mother themes, the, you know, the witch storyline, um, these different power dynamics, all these things could be enough. Um, but the fascism, you know, the, the this underground growing... Um, fascism you know storyline also pretty relevant at the time like we were staring down what was going about to be an election year um we saw what that how that one turned out mm-hmm. um and so i think it was a way to like maybe that maybe they had some kind of intention of creating this movie that had this like big theme um that's relevant to what's going on you know in america too and across the world there's like these kind of dictator type leaders have been popping up you know, not just in America. And maybe they were trying to like send this sentient, this uh, message of humanity um, and empathy and humanity and how like that is the way to go. Like, and maybe trying to just do too much with one film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think that's it's like a fair criticism though. Yeah. Because um, could they made it, if they wanted to, could they have made it a stronger subplot? Yeah. I think they mm-hmm. could have made it stronger. I think they could have exercised some different storytelling to make yeah, the subplot like make stronger. The, make the 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 witches and the evil regime of the witches mm-hmm. be actually affecting what's going on with the terrorists. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That I feel like maybe if you wanted to tie it all together, that would have been a way. Yeah, show some yeah. show some direct like some scene parallels between them and like that group well i would say don't it's parallel now like make it cross like yeah. make, make it intersect somehow but oh, so yeah well. i mean fair criticism and they could have done more to convince you maybe that it was a a worthy subplot but yeah i mean that's fair and i think a lot of people probably feel like you feel and some might feel how we feel so and i i do like this movie by the way like by the uh sure. you'll, you'll get a sense uh on my final rating but um do we want to go around and give kind of our final ratings at this point? Sure. Rosie, let's start with you. I would probably give it a 3.75 out of 5. <laughs> that's that's my my rating. Fair. Um I give it a 3.5 out of 5. So I'm pretty I'm pretty in line with you, Rose. Um I think it could get to four level. I don't think there's anything this movie could do to make it a five out of five for me. Mm-hmm. But um, four out of five would have been if they tightened it up mm-hmm. for sure. What about you, Chuck? Uh, I would give this a three out of five. Like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, I do think that this is what a remake should be, um, which is like taking the same themes as the original, but like painting them in a different stroke of a brush, like, you know, just kind of delivering them in a different way. 
um, I think that that's where like this film really shines. Uh, like I, like I said about the, the ending with Susie and stuff, just making her a different type of character and kind of a, a different type of hero for modern audiences and stuff. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy this. Um, like I said, it's the second time I've seen this. Uh, this is one that I think would, uh, benefit from multiple viewings. Um, I think that there's a lot of movie here and I think that it would only benefit, you know, uh, it sucks that we don't get that part too, though. Cause like, I want to see the prequel where like, you know, even set like during World war two or something would be kind of cool. Um, and like at what were the witches doing during that time would have been kind of a cool, so I'm saying were they getting persecuted or how were they like, you know, how were they surviving? Back? Yeah. How did they, uh, how did Marcos come to power? Where did this cruelty begin? I got the sense like, was she just a Nazi? Maybe here's the thing. Like I got the sense. Number one, if they thought you were a witch, you were going to the camp. Mm hmm. So not if you can control their minds, Rose. Well, you know they can. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I got the sense of like a knowingness about the way Susie told him she had two women with her that cared for her. Like there was some knowingness there. Like not like it was Susie there herself, but obviously for her to know these details, she was able to look onto that time to some degree, like and see that or feel that for herself but anyway, like it just, it is weird. It's strange to me, like that any group of witches would, um, and I guess it was the bad witches, but like that any group of witches would identify more with like the fascism than the people who were being ostracized because I think, of the history. But yeah, I think they could create a standalone film that would be technically a prequel to this, but if they just didn't market it as that, it could still do really well. Oh yeah, it could yeah. still do really well. Oh, for sure. I I definitely agree. Ladies, thank you for joining me for the Suspiria 2018 uh, kind of redo of that classic Suspiria 70s movie. Um, it's been fun talking about this movie with you guys. Um, as always, you can find us at Horrifying My Friends on Instagram and Facebook, and at uh, Horrifying MF on Twitter. Uh, hit me a line at Travis Ubarra on Facebook and at Capped Creature on Twitter. Um, have a witchy week. Bye. Horrifying, my friends. <laughs>